Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. We're here to review the Community Shield Arsenal deserved champions of the first silverware of the season. I'm of course FPL Nemo and I'm joined by my co-host Clayton at Clayton's AFC on Twitter. We're going to do a very short live stream, probably about 20 minutes, just going through our kind of review of the match, what we think it meant on the day. I know some people consider it a glorified friendly, but we might talk about some of the psychological benefits to the squad going into this season, knowing that they are capable of beating this Man City team. But yeah, how are you, Clayton? Um, I love seeing your instant reaction that we've uploaded, obviously, for the first time on the channels live from Wembley Stadium. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, very happy. And so, what day is it today? Today, Tuesday. Yeah, so it was on Sunday, right? Uh, yeah, I'm very happy. And uh, I felt so awkward recording that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, like Nima and I have said uh, on the previous pod, we're going to try. Well, no, we're not going to try. We're, we're going to do it. We're committing to it. Each game, um, we're going to be doing these like short 30 second clips each of, yeah, kind of an instant reaction. It's not going to be anything groundbreaking in terms of like tactical insight just kind of raw reaction but i felt so cringe and awkward like in the stadium recording it just i don't know just quite self-conscious you know and there's always that one fan like vlogging i was like i don't want to be that guy but so i waited it i waited for it to quiet down a bit i was like having a look around and uh yeah did it but it was it was such a fun day like yeah very privileged to have a ticket again and uh yeah that was my ninth trip to wembley for arsenal and I don't think I've seen us lose at Wembley. Touch, touch wood. We need to um, send you there more often. And obviously, yeah. we've not been there since the 2020 FA Cup, and that was without fans, right? So I think this will have meant something having the kind of the you know I, I say home fans, but maybe it just felt like that watching from yeah. home with the you know the North London Forever was being chanted before the kickoff, and hey, our fans were like I don't know if this came across on the telly, and like I know I can be a bit. OTT and bias, but like this isn't bias. This is just fact. Our fans were different class to theirs. Like no competition. I don't know if, like I said, if it came across on the telly, but they didn't get a chant going until the 84th minute. I remember it so clearly. And we were just all day. We're like Wembley Way was just a sea of red. Like you saw snippets of blue like obviously we had our designated pubs obviously that's going to be arsenal but just yeah like i said walking down wembley way getting into the ground like you said the angel was playing um they did play blue moon for them as well but just the the kind of interaction and the way the arsenal fans were engaging with it and just non-stop arsenal fans chanting all game and yeah their fans are pathetic like i've said this before they're genuinely a disgrace like you've got one of the best teams in the world that you could get behind and support i just think they're absolutely pathetic their fans but ours on the other hand are absolutely phenomenal just such great vibes and um yeah it was a good way to start the season obviously you touched on it in terms of like opinions narratives on it being a glorified friendly where where are you at on how you kind of view it I think I see it as a competitive friendly rather than glorified. And Pep himself Same. always said that, you know, it's a chance to win the first silverware of the season, go on to winning ways. Now, I appreciate they've lost the last three community shields and gone on to win the Premier League three times in a row. Um, I think part of what we need to manage our expectations with is the reality that they're kind of two weeks behind in preseason as they are every year because of yeah. kind of how deep they've gone in other cups. And so that makes sense. But you know, the celebrations from Pep, the celebrations from Arteta, the players, the you know, the fans, that didn't scream friendly to me. Uh, when, when when City scored, Pep was over the moon. The players were celebrating. Yeah. When we scored, Arteta was celebrating. You know, just seeing the managers and the players, 
appreciate not all of City's first eleven were necessarily there, but they played to win. Like these these yeah. players weren't playing to lose. Like they, I don't they, think they it played. was far off their strongest team. No, it wasn't far off. But like the likes of say like De Bruyne and like obviously like when we played at the Etihad, like he was very pivotal to the new system they implemented yeah. specifically to mess with us where Haaland would kind of collect the ball over the top at halfway and ding it to KDB to break through. And I just feel like, you know, that game, it made us feel like we were quite far apart from City. Yeah. And it almost made me forget that, like, yes, there was a golf in our abilities that day in April or whenever it was. But when we played them earlier in the season, in January in the Cup, and when we played them at the Emirates, there were some very good moments. And I think yeah. that game on Sunday will have given the players a bit more belief and confidence that, like, you know, they can do it. And I think I saw in the interview afterwards, I think it was Ramsdale and I'm, I think it was Declan Rice. They, they were interviewed about it. And, you know, obviously they, they were very happy to win that shield on their kind of first day of the season, the season opener, as we call it. And they said what it does for them is it shows them that when they get into the season, when and if they need to beat City in a run-in, they now know that they can. So I think for me, like regardless of whether it's a trophy or a friendly, just knowing that, we were able to kind of bed into the game after the rocky first 15, 20 minutes where they really controlled the game and the tempo. And then we started to play out from the back a little bit more and we started to gain confidence as we found runners and we were able to reduce them to not really play through the middle, which, you yeah. know, <clears throat> kind of Haaland was quite ineffective in the match overall, I think. I think that's fair to say. And Saliba really oozed class throughout. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I just think it was honestly, for me, it was... It was just a sign that maybe the golf wasn't as big as I thought it was, because I think that April fixture really warped my opinion of yeah. how far behind we were. So regardless of the whole friendly situation, I mean, just playing one of the best teams in the world, maybe in history of Premier League, yeah, and being able to play that way and you know be patient and not give up right till the death, right till the end, and then to we've show got the that nerves. in us, don't we? We've yeah, yeah, and the nerves yeah. of skill and the penalties, you know, like. They said in the interview they've been practicing the penalties for two years. Pep said they've been practicing penalties too. So there's some really interesting stuff there, I think, just for their mentality. Um, yeah. I think we know Arteta's a great motivator, right? Psychologically, and he's so he's amazing. Yeah. So I imagine he will use this as another chance to motivate them and remind them where they can get to. Yeah. yeah so so it's very exciting for me. Um, I, I thought we'd have a bit of an iffy preseason leading up to this, some good and bad results. But this game made me think maybe we're a bit further ahead in preseason prep than I expected, um, especially when I look at City, where maybe they are a couple of weeks behind in reality and maybe they'll take a few weeks to really ramp up. Yeah. Before we go into like, we'll kind of, I've kind of forgotten the format of how we do this, but I guess we'll go into the lineup and uh, stuff. But before that, I'm basically similar to you on how I view it. I think I am, I'm not going to lie, like, I'll put myself out there. I don't kind of class this as a trophy personally, but I look at it. I look at it as a very, yeah, what you described, competitive friendly, but I think it is a good benchmark on where we're at. Um, so I don't think it's something to dismiss, but personally, I don't like, I enjoyed the day, had a, yeah, great day, um, enjoyed the vibes. Like it was cool seeing us lift a trophy, but it's not something that I'm going to kind of come the end of the season, look at and think, yeah, great. We won the community shield sort of thing. But having said that, like I said, I think it's a great benchmark on where we're at personally. And again, something like I'm not trying to be a downer here, but like I think we need to remember like we did draw as well. <laughs> because I think all of the 
Arsenal fans and some of the players are saying, yeah, it's great. Like we beat City. And I think it's important to remember that in 90 minutes, it was still a draw. Like, so I don't think we've quite got over that hurdle yet, but the underlying themes and what I saw was full of encouragement. Like, like you said, after that 10, 15 minute spell where they completely had the ball, couldn't really get near them. We more than held our own. And I think over the course of the 90, well, 100 minutes, uh, it was a very, very balanced uh, and fair game, I think. I think it was very 50-50. It was a tactical masterclass, I think. It was literally a game of chess. Um, and I think we more than held our own and looked like we belonged there. And I think we showed that we can go toe-to-toe with them. So I still think there is the next step in terms of, like, I was speaking to Mike last night. It was over last night or the night before texting him and saying, like, that game at home in October we have to win that. Like for me, this season against City is six points we, available. We have to get four. Win at home, draw away. And I think we've, we've got close. Like two years ago, New Year's Day, we all remember that game. Like we were a bit emotionally immature then as a club and the players, but we're getting there. Last season at home, it was an individual mistake that kind of dictated the rest of the game state. And I think we're, we're slowly getting there, but we, I still think there's more that we can do and uh, work on but yeah should we go into the actual yeah just, I just want to say something so for me just yeah. on the community shield and whether it's a trophy or not it is on the official honors list of clubs players and yeah, managers and you know at the end of the day like we talk about the three most successful clubs in england for silverware and united love to say that they're first ahead of liverpool but, but they if you take away their 17 community shields if community shield is nothing then United are not the most successful club in England. Liverpool yeah. is. I'll just put that out there. No, I'll just no, put no, that out okay. there because, you know, it's funny how when when the debate is that they're not winning the community shield or someone else wins it, it's not a trophy. But it's that same trophy that is making them the most successful club in England on number of silverware. So mm-hmm. I just thought I'd put that out there because it's actually wild. Um, we will go to the match itself. But I think you just can't write off the shield. Like at the end of the day, like to come back from behind so late and then beat oh, yeah. Man City... Like after what happened to us last season and our record against City in general, I'm taking those positives. I could hear the commentators salivating. Like they were giving Cole Palmer man of the match before the game was over. You see, City actually was it on Instagram? They it was Instagram or Twitter. They posted like prematurely that they'd won. And the... <laughs> oh wow, yeah, so Cole Palmer that, yeah. was man of the match, and you know they, they were salivating. They were foaming at the mouth about oh, this is the ninth win in a row for City against Arsenal or something like. They just couldn't wait um, to come in with the knife in the back. So I'm glad we did what we needed to do and humbled some of those pundits who have done a big U-turn on us, right? Um, Apparently, we're going to miss out on top four this season because we're not good enough. No, no, but but, but think about the other half. The other half is if we don't win the Premier League, we fail. I know. So we're not good enough to get top four, but we're a failure if we don't win the league. I don't even know how those two statements can exist in conjunction. So. And, you know, our favourite, Gary Neville's now come out and he's predicted Arsenal to win the Prem so he can later beat us up about it if we yeah. don't. We're going to be doing a... Um, I forgot what day we said we're going to do this, but we're going to pre-record a pod where we kind of do our season expectations and predictions and then we'll preview the Forest game as well. I guess that will either be out Wednesday, Thursday or Friday. <laughs> yeah, we'll get that out before the season opener and what, yeah. where we expect to be this season. But yeah, why don't we look at the data for the match and talk through some of the key moments. I guess the main thing was none of us really knew who would start as striker. I think people thought between Eddie and, you know, ha- uh, yeah. Eddie do you want to go Trussard. into the lineup slide? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. So, so did you have anything in mind? In t- yeah, so I guess for the podcast listeners, so 
Uh, lineup was obviously Ramsdale in goal, uh, back four of White, Saliba, Gabriel, and a very impressive Timber, Party, Rice, Odegaard, uh, and then Saka, Martinelli, either side of Kai Havertz, who I thought was brilliant personally. I know he should have scored one of the chances, but I thought his hold-up play, his overall, overall movement, I had a thing in my head around him where I couldn't pick, when we signed him, could not picture him being like a hard presser, a hard worker for whatever reason. Flipping hell, though, he is. We like, thought he might be like an Ozil, like a luxury player that yeah. floats free wherever he wants. But he was the opposite of it the other day, yeah, wasn't it? really liked what I saw from him. But yeah, what what going into the game, is that the lineup you kind of predicted? My predicted lineup was that, but uh, yeah, that, but Trossard in instead of Havertz. Personally. Yeah, so you had Trossard, I had Eddie, and the rest of the sure. 10 were the same. Um, I do expect to see Timber start the season um, at left back, and he, he's really making a case to be yeah, a headache for you know. 30 mil like why was he so cheap i don't get it like we must be missing it's something. actually crazy yeah like yeah, I, I honestly left or something i think so like my cousin who's an ajax fan said he was like the best player at ajax even last summer when um everyone was coming in from martinez and stuff he said timber's like the highest seeding player at their club so having seen him in preseason i tend to agree let's see how he gets he's on unreal, but yeah I think he could be one of the signings of the season if he continues this way. He he honestly looks so comfortable on the ball. He's very versatile. And you could see that they were trying to deliberately fuck with his confidence and scar him like some of the other Arsenal players that Man City had. Like, they were doubled up on him. Yeah. They were all trying to crunch him. And he just carried on as usual. Like, it didn't even phase him. Like, I, I was so impressed, honestly. But um, to have a specifically... When we talk about the Forest preview, I guess we can talk about whether we think he'll retain that spot. Yeah, let's save that for that, yeah. Yeah, Just but I think in general in this game, like, I love the way he kind of... Because if you think about the first 20 minutes, we didn't really play out from the back. We almost were just targeting him and yeah. I think when we talked about needing a plan B, a target man, we've always thought of like a big guy who just grabs the ball and tries to score, but... That's not all it is. Like, no. it can be the guy who just tries to nod the ball down into open space and help us win the second ball and create space for the team to move up the pitch. And I thought he did very well at that. And he retained the ball quite well as well. There was a few moments where, you know, they didn't even get a card or anything, but they, they would literally pull this shirt oh, off the halfway yeah. line and he was turning in space to free Martinelli. Um, so I, I was very infused by what I saw. I don't put much stock into the two chances he missed. I think there were no. half chances. Mm -hmm. I think there were chances he created. I think the first one, the ball got passed a little bit behind him. It was always going to be difficult to turn and get that off. The one I think he should have scored was the one where Saka cut it back. Like, I do think he should have mm. put that one away personally, but it's not something that I'm like overthinking. It's I, I think his movement to be able to get there and his intelligence to know where... like That was his first start in that role for us. And yeah, again, like, against City, <laughs> against City, and like you could just see relationships are just quite natural already. So, I think there's lots of encouraging signs there from him. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to see. I think what goes on this season is going to be a bit interesting because obviously, depending on how long Jesus is out, I don't necessarily think we'll play Rice and Party against teams like Forest at home. So that begs the question of like keep it for what, that one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like that begs the question of like what then happens? Like, yeah, does have a start against teams that press a lot? Like, yeah. or is he like an outlet to get over their press when and City presses, right? So is it that against a team like Forest who might sit back potentially? Like, that's not who we need up front, and you go for someone else. So I do it's think the, we're gonna see a lot of rotation. Yeah, and like the tactical profiles we've got across like in one zone we've got three or four different tactical profiles now like I, I, yeah 
this squad is a massive cheat code. I, I, I still don't think people realize like how good it is. Um, I think people are going to be in for a shock this year. Um, and I think but generally yeah, the it, other person worth talking about is obviously Saliba. Um, he's, yeah, he's like, like, it's just unreal. Like, um, you know, sometimes when a player's out for a while, you kind of mythologize them and you, yeah. you think they're so much better than they are. And that when they come <clears> back, they're going to solve all your problems. But I think with him, like, it's actually true. Like this week, everyone's been calling him a Rolls Royce. It's almost yeah. like we've all been sent something in the post saying you want to call him a Rolls Royce. I think it started when Zinchenko said it. But, you know, a, a lot of people are now saying it. The commentators saying like, he just looks so calm and is short. I don't understand, like, how he's so At confident. his age, is, it's mental. And, and he gives us the opportunity to play the way we want, right? We can be more aggressive going forwards, knowing that in a worst-case situation, if they try to get a quick transition over the top, we trust in his physicality yeah. and abilities to get back one on one and just like that clip shut against Haaland, right? Like it was a foot race and like yeah, it was fifty fifty, and then he just Haaland kind of turned backwards because he knew he couldn't he couldn't take him on. Like and that that was yes. really nice to see. So I think obviously when we saw that same matchup against Holding, it's not even close. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, I think one thing about Haaland is really obviously he got subbed a little bit earlier on, but I think he had a zero xg, and you yeah. know, that's uncommon for him and. He had about 13 touches in the game, but six of them were running away from Saliba back towards the halfway line. Yeah. And so, you know, we that... really did well there, like I think. Yeah, and City in general, like, okay, that 10, 15 minutes I, to start the game, I, I did think they were exceptional in the way they kept and moved the ball. And even when we got the ball, they just regained it quite quickly. But other than that, there was... Obviously, their goal was absolutely brilliant, but I think that was more party kind of wrongly anticipating it. Tierney making a bit of a mistake with the clearance and then a worldy finish. Um, and But other than that, I don't really remember them creating anything where I was like heart in my mouth sort of thing. There was another one where I think, was it Foden had a shot and Ramsdale made a good save? It was one Ramsdale made two great saves at 1-0 in around the 80th minute, like a double save that... You know, had he not made those the saves, one from the, the opportunity was, wouldn't have yeah. gone to you know extra time or penalties or anything. Like, I, yeah, I feel like I'm probably being harsh here, but there was two. I remember one was a header from a corner, and the Foden mm-hmm. one. I do think they were both straight at him personally. But the the other one from the corner where it was like near post, and he kind of got down low. I that think was it was the brilliant. speed, yeah, to, to yeah. the way he dropped to get stop that. That was again. Yeah, that was nice. Great. Even that, that was really nice. I um, I don't. And he got a penalty about... save as well, which is I know. Uh, something yeah. we've been waiting for for a, for for any Arsenal <laughs> goalkeeper to do for fucking years. But like, I don't think we spoke about this because we've not podded since. But obviously, his uh, article in the Players Tribunal, like that, was really touching. And yeah, I think it was really nice being there as well because I was behind the goal, and when he came over, like the whole of our end was just singing his name and like you could see it meant quite a lot to him and even in the penalties like I think just being there in the stadium you notice these little things like he when he saved that penalty he was just, we still had a penalty to go on and score but he was like smiling like we'd just won and I was like that relax we well, were they to... singing the Aaron Rams the, 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 yeah, the, the. you could see he, he was loving it and yeah he's a great character and yeah I think he's a great character to have around the club he's very humble he he I think he'll thrive in competition yeah if too. and when Raya come End of the day, if we get 10 million for Turner and we buy Raya for 30 million, that's I think yeah. paying 20 million 20 to upgrade, million to upgrade like, and have a competitive goalkeeper who can actually play out from the back is fantastic. Um, One people... person I want to shout out, if you don't mind, that yeah, yeah, I, prob- I don't think many people will just because he does this every week, but 
Ben White every week, eight, nine out of 10. Like, I just think he is so underrated. And I think, because you look at this game and I think, like, who gets the headlines? Ramsdale for his saves, Saliba for his performance, Rice for Timber his anticipation, well, yeah. Timber, uh, Odegaard for his skill, <laughs> Party, <Havertz. like. laughs> And I feel like Ben White was one of the best players on that pitch for me. That He pocketed Grealish, he wound him up. He's, I, I can't, I'm struggling to put it into words how I feel about Ben White, but... He's like really powerful in every action he does defensively and offensively. And there are a couple of times he just burst out to create angles for us and 2v1s. And I just think everything he does, he does at such a good consistent level that hmm. I still think he is criminally underrated. Like I, I, Again, I said to Mike, like I think he's a Galactico level player. I really do. I genuinely think. He got us going, right? So after the first 20 minutes when we weren't playing out from the back, it was the first time we played out from the back and he was so high and wide and he just got slipped through and he went in and created the first chance with his cross. So, you know, like, and then I think that then grew us in confidence. That, oh, wait, yeah. we can get at these guys, you know, let's keep poking, let's keep poking. Yeah. Um, so again, like, I think he is someone who, like, even like, let's say from an FPL point of view, he's 5.5 million and the other defenders are like all 5 million. Everyone's like, oh my God, like he's overpriced. He's a dead asset. But he got like, I think it was like one goal and like at least six, seven assists. FPL assists count differently. There's obviously more of them. Did he get that many? Yeah. And um, I looked at his underlying attacking numbers and his expected goal involvement for both goals and assists in games last season, per 90 especially, is like his head and shoulders above the rest of our defenders. I think we have this myth that like, he just stays back because Zinchenko tucks into midfield. Yeah, and no, like, he doesn't. But White has got very good at running forward and yeah. overlapping and underlapping. And that partnership with Saka has really grown. And, yeah. and I expect to see, see even more of him this season, uh, keep improving. Yeah. I, th- I think he's one of the nailed starters in the team. I think he's Arteta's guy. Like, because I. This he was, was Arteta's huge... most expensive signing for like the first three years, right? Like no yeah. one cost more than 50 I, mil. <laughs> I think people really underestimate how important he is to Arteta. Like, I, I genuinely think he's like one of the first names on the team sheet kind of people. Um, I just think he's phenomenal. And I, I wanted to call him out because I think it's someone that, again, would go under the radar. Just every action he does is close to perfect. And he's so... It tactically smart and I think I don't know if a lot of it is the vibe he gives off like he doesn't give a shit but I just think he's criminally underrated I think he's so so good he cracks me up man when they were walking up the stairs to get the trophy everyone was like high-fiving and the whole time I see Arteta at the front man, the biggest grin on his face and he's like double high-fiving every fucking person all the way to the trophy and back right and he just looked like a kid in a candy store he looked so happy and then some of the players, you know, you could see Rice, Havertz and Timber were like the first three coming down the stairs, like new signings, clapping. Ben White just went past someone. He saw the person, the people ahead of him, high-fived the guy. He kind of walked ahead pretending not to see him, then looked at him and then was like, no, nah, you're right. And then looked ahead and carried on going. <laughs> and it, it just cracks me up, Ben White. Like his, just the stuff he says in interviews, like, oh, you know, like just, he just honestly fucking cracks I'd just me. love to have a camera watching him for like 24 hours. I just, you know, those sort of people that they just make you laugh without doing anything. He, he's that sort of guy. And I love him, man. He, he He's like, um, we've got Plonker in the chat. Good to see a couple of shout outs. Nice actually, we're here. So good to see you, Pontus. Uh, Mike Halpin, lovely to see you. Hope you had a great birthday recently. IBK, gang, gang. We have quite a few people here live today. Yeah, this, cheers, um, everyone. We were saying stream. we didn't think we'd get many people because of work, but yeah. Yeah, good to see you, Delia, as well, tuning in just before your meeting. Tommy Talks Arsenal, lovely to see you, buddy. Loving the new channel. Um, do check awesome. it out, guys. 
And then, yeah, Plonker, as I say. So I think the reason I brought up Plonker was because when we're talking about Ben White, like this is a compliment, Plonker, but for me, you you like are the closest person I know to Ben White. Like you <laughs> are you just talking got that personality or his footballing ability? <laughs> well, well, they're both defenders, I suppose, but um, no, it's more just like the personality, the trim, you know, very clean look, always looks really like good in what that is a compliment. Wear. Like really fan, nice style, ben White, so that's a big yeah, compliment. like fashion sense, good look, nicer. <laughs> Like Ben White reminds me of like an Essex boy, and that's what Plonker is, right? Like in another life, Plonker would be on the only way is Essex. So, <laughs> but uh, what about the subs? Let's talk about a little bit about the subs, and then we'll get out yeah. of here. So, um, Trossard, obviously, um, he he's... for me has been one of the standout performers of preseason. It's really harsh that he's not got a nailed place in the eleven. Because yeah, that, that's what I'm wondering. There, but... Like, what do we do about that? Because like he's so good. <laughs> Yeah, but then I don't know if it's one of those where it's just great having a person that can come on and completely affect a game. Because, he, you know, when he's on the pitch, he'll be involved in either a goal or an assist, right? And like I don't know if it's something... Because he looks happy with the minutes he's playing. Like, is it one of those while well, he's comfortable or well, not comfortable? Well, I don't know, because it's, remember it's working, when they interviewed right? Ramsdale and he was like, you know, in his mind, Trossard's not come to be a squad player. He's trying to take one of the front three shirts. Yeah. Because it feels like he should, he deserves to be starting a, a few games, right? And I'm just like, who drops out? That's my question. So, like, was the idea, um, was it the idea that maybe Arteta sees him as someone who can affect the game more coming off the bench? And, like, that's how he's going to use him? Or do we see a world in which he does start up top? Because, obviously, in the Monaco Cup, like, it was Eddie up top, then it was Habits up top in the Shield. So where does that leave Trossard? Because in most of preseason, even though we as the fans have called for him to play number nine or a false nine, he's mainly played left centre mid or left wing. Yeah. So even in the preseason, he's not really been used in that striker role. So I do wonder if um, you remember last season we talked about this concept of like subs is not a word anymore; it's a dirty yeah. word. Like now, I think it was Clive from Arsenal Vision. He was saying starters and finishers. That's how the club views these players. It's all about minutes. That's the new yeah. currency in your contract. Yeah, yeah. How many minutes will you get? Like, because Tierney last season, he got a lot of minutes. He might not have started many Premier games, but he still got a lot of minutes. Yeah. So is it the minutes now the new currency? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 100%. Maybe that's what Trossard is. Maybe he's the finisher. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would love to see him start, but I just I think this is good. It's healthy. We have competition. Two players at least for every yeah. position. And then what about Vieira? Because I know I just want to bring him up because obviously I know he missed a penalty in one of the penalty shootouts in the preseason. He then took the decisive one. That's what Arteta cradling him like a son with some paternal instinct. Um, that was a and, great penalty, though, wasn't it? It was, it was, yeah. But, but this is what I mean. Like I know that you and also a lot of Arsenal fans, so you're not alone in this, have not been quite too um, impressed by what they've seen him from him in year one. Yeah. I think the caveat comes that obviously he was injured when he arrived. He didn't have a preseason in year one. He wouldn't be the first player to, you know, have a weird first season before he settles in. I know he has a slight, fra slight frame and like, I don't know if he quite knows how to use his body correctly when he's getting challenged and like he does get brushed off quite easily, but he is like a goal assist machine. Like when, whenever he does play, like he does contribute something. And I think he is yeah. a technically gifted player, but is this like his kind of do or die season? Like, do you think Arteta think... will continue to use him more? And this is his chance to like, because like, I'm happy he scored that penalty because I think that will have, and also the goal obviously against Monaco that took us as well. So you know, like overall, I think had he not had these two moments in the last week, 
he might be coming into this season with a shot confidence, but I'd like yeah, to think no. he's in a better place. I think there's two things there. One is, yeah, I absolutely think he's a big part of Arteta's plans. I think it's quite clear the way Arteta speaks about him, that he values him and sees a use for him. My personal thing is, I, yeah, he's a goal and an assist. Yeah, his output's always there. I just personally think for the way this Arsenal team plays, I have wanted to see more from him when he's on the pitch. I don't personally see enough proactiveness in terms of trying to get the ball and make things happen. I see personally a bit of a passenger when he plays. And I think, yeah, he, he picks up the ball in half spaces and he puts in crosses. But I think there's so much more to this Arsenal team than just that, in my opinion. So I want to see more, I don't know what the word is, like authority, I guess. Like, And it's not about the frame, but like, I take that point. But I don't think that's an issue at well, all. Well, look at other person. players, right? Like Bernardo Silva, he has a similar frame and look how yeah, fantastic exactly. he's been in the Premier League. That's, that's the perfect example because I think people way overblow this whole physicality thing. And Bernardo Silva is someone that he takes authority. Like he'll go and demand the ball in tight spaces. I This is the word. I still think Vieira hides. And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's a confidence thing. So I want to see him going and like did you hear about was it Nelson that gave an interview and he said Arteta says to him like go and take a man on I don't care if you lose it just take that risk I want to see Vieira taking more risks I feel like he's a bit too I, safe. I felt that way when he played in the right wing against Monaco with Smith Rowe as the right centre mid there was a moment where he was through and he kind of ran to the byline and no one was there in the box and instead of trying to take on the man and wait for players to arrive he just thought I've got to do something so he just crossed it into the box with no one there yeah. And I think that kind of reinforces your point. Um, do you believe then that Smith Rowe, obviously another one of the subs, like, this is also a season for him to do or die, I would expect. But um, are they in direct competition? Uh, no, not in no? my opinion. I think it's okay. like the whole minutes currency. Like you, You've nailed it with that. I feel like that needs to be our buzzword for this season because that's how I feel. I feel like it's just going to be minutes are going to be shared so much um, and I think you'll see, like, we're going to flex our squad so much in the way we use substitutes, in my opinion. Like, you'll see it against Forest, Palace after that, Fulham. I just think people are going to get a healthy amount of minutes. People are going to get shocked, I think, because they, they thought Arteta doesn't rotate. But you always said, like, when he only trusted yeah. 12, 13 players, yeah, like, of and, course he didn't rotate. And I think the theme of this season is it's not just going to, like, I think we'll do this when we do the Forest preview. I think the team for Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry probably is quite self-explanatory but I think in a few weeks time you're going to see individual changes based on specific tactical things about the opposition that we've not really had the luxury to do so I do think we're going to be a bit like City and that going forward but um, I was going to say something else but my mind's gone blank. Cool I think we're going to wrap up in about five minutes or so Um, I'm just going to put up Tommy's comment about Vieira just to wrap that section up about Vieira being still so young and great left foot Talented lad. Hopefully he'll develop into something this season. FPL fella asks, would you go for Saliba or Gabriel? Just in before your... that, actually, like, I, I do agree with Tommy. Like my thing, I've not written him off, Vieira. I think my thing is just being brutally honest. And what I've seen so far, I've been disappointed. I wanted to see more. Do I doubt there's talent and he's young and he can come good? That, like, no. But I just, I want to see more. Um, Hopefully yeah. this is the season then for him. Um yeah, what so what Dan's about Saliba or Gabriel in your FPL team? So I've had Gabriel all go pre-season. You're, you're the FPL guy. You go. For yeah, it. so I've had Gabriel all pre-season. Um, we, we talk about kind of, um, I think the first 
seven or eight opponents we face, they're like bottom six. Like six of them are bottom six for chances conceded from set pieces. Is it? Yeah, and Gabriel is obviously like okay. a big target for us, a target man. But I do think with the addition of Rice and Havertz, like there are other target men there now. Like yeah. party goes up as well. Like there's a lot of, we've got a taller, bigger squad. And I don't know if that will change Gabriel being the main target for all these kind of headers. That's an interesting one. Yeah, so that's one thought to keep an eye on. And then the other thing is, obviously Saliba's goals last season, you could say some of them were fortunate or like lower XG chances because Gabriel was more consistently the target of the crosses. What were they again? I remember the... So the first one was on his weak foot, left foot from outside the box and Zinchenko fell to the floor in shock. The other, like, yeah, he I was like, "This one. guy can do everything." Like what the other the one was like, he—it was like a ricochet or something, and then he just I think, I think it on the line or something. Off, right? I think it bounced off Gabriel's face from a corner into Saliba's face into the was net, the and neither of them knew about it. <laughs> I want to say that was the Chelsea game. It maybe? may have been, but okay, so was I've had Gabriel all preseason, but with the kind of backline options now, with obviously Timber, Kivio, Tomiyasu, <laughs> White, um, I just think Saliba out of all of them for me. He is, as we said at the start of the episode, the Rolls-Royce player of this team. Like, If there was three players that I think will get the most minutes this season in the Premier League, it will be Odegaard, Saka and Saliba. It's those three for me, without a doubt. Um, so because of that, I am now starting to think about Saliba. I was nervous because he'd had a back injury. You don't know how players will react from yeah. a back injury. It can be ongoing and persist. But in pre-season, Saliba's shown exactly what I want to see from him. And so I am getting more tempted, fella, about Saliba because even though his goals may not have been like repeatable in the sense of like lots of set pieces targeted at him, this guy is more than set pieces. I think he's so gifted. There's been games where in last season and in the preseason where I've seen him do a quick one-two and then he's the one in the box. Like he's just mm. suddenly in the box, like in open play. Like th this is a guy who I have a lot of belief in and I think he can go on to you know, score these open play goals if, is what I'm getting at. Like, I don't think he's... Whereas with Gabriel, like, a set piece or bust for me on the goals with him. With Saliba, I would argue he will get better as an attacking player um, over the year. So I am leaving so, there. Timber is a I'd, four. Just I'd, my only thing on that is I disagree on... I don't think Saliba will do much in open play, personally. Um Minutes-wise, like though, what do you think about Gabriel? Oh, so sorry, is there a world? Minutes. So, is there oh. a world in which actually he's not as nailed on as Saliba? Because I'm just uh, saying that I think the the reason Gabriel was talked about was because he's as nailed on as Saliba is yeah. what we're led to believe, <clears throat> and then also obviously he gets more chances to score. But if he's getting less minutes at some point, is there a world in which like Kivior? or Timber slots in to that left yeah. centre-back. So I, I still think they're equal for minutes. I do think Kivior is going to get more chances this season. And I think Gabriel will finally be able to be rested because of the strength of the squad in the odd game. But I just think how I spoke about Ben White being like, oh, I feel like all of the back line are Arteta's guys. But um, I feel like where I think Gabriel may get the odd rest and Kivior will step in, I do think there'll be the odd game where Saliba is given a breather as well. So I don't think they're ever So it could go be... both ways. Yeah. yeah, so I think they're both equal in terms of how important they are, how many minutes they'll play and how many times they'll be rested, I guess. So I still think they're equal. And personally, I still think Gabriel's set-piece threat, despite what you say, like we've got Rice Havertz now, I still think Gabriel is... The way he attacks the ball from set-pieces is better than Saliba, in my opinion. So I still mm. think that's something that, in terms of set-pieces, will 
look to target, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on because we've got more variety out there. But Fair. For me I think long term, the one I'm most interested in is Timber. Um, I, I don't know about starting with him because of Zinchenko being close to being back. But long term, if Timber does nail down a spot, I really like him. Like he's I, the he's, one who's more likely from open play out of all of them. I yeah, think, he's a hard. I don't think so. This might be an unpopular opinion. I don't think he'll ever be consistent enough in starts to warrant being an FPL option purely because not to doubt his quality. Like he's sensational, but it's the the strength and depth we've got in the position he plays. I think that's where we're really going to flex our muscles and rotate it um, according to opposition and keep that position fresh. So I don't yeah. think we're going to look to overburden anyone in those kind of inverted roles. I think we're really going to flex our squad muscle on that. Um, so, yeah. I... That makes sense. All right. Yeah. Let's um, just a shout out to Christopher Tellez as well for tuning in live. Um, nice one, mate. Through some deadlines. I think because we are over time, we would just put this slide up. The podcast listeners want to come and look at the Marcar stats data for the cumulative expected goals and cumulative expected threat. They can come to 36 minutes in timestamp and have a look. But I think, to be honest, we've kind of discussed it in quite yeah, a lot of detail anyway. Do. So we, we will do the Q&A in the next episode, I think. But otherwise, thank you, guys. We will get another episode, a pre-recorded one out ASAP in the next few days for the forest preview and our season expectations yeah thank you for joining us we will do another instant reaction after forest and then a proper review as well from there so nice one good yeah to see thanks you for so many of you joining during the day appreciate that yeah take care guys and we'll see you for the next one up the arsenal, up the arsenal. come on you gunners <laughs>